How does a group of like-minded individuals become a cult? Is it their shared beliefs on religion or societal issues? Or do they join based on a kind of mob mentality? Wikipedia defines cults in modern English as a societal group that is defined by its unusual religious, spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, or by its common interest in a particular personality, object, or goal. This is Two Girls in a Campfire, and I'm Allison, and today we're talking cults. We are going to be doing a special two-episode look at three different cults and the psychology behind them. Sarah isn't feeling well, so I'll be talking about the cult Heaven's Gate today by myself. Heaven's Gate was founded in 1974 and was led by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. The son of a Presbyterian minister and a former soldier, Marshall Applewhite began his foray into biblical prophecy in the early 1970s. After being fired from the University of St. Thomas in Houston, Texas over an alleged relationship with one of his male students, he met Bonnie Nettles, a 44-year-old married nurse with an interest in biblical prophecy in March of 1972. The circumstances of their meeting are disputed. Applewhite later recalls that he felt as though he had known Nettles for a long time and concluded that they had met in a past life. Nettles had told him that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials and persuaded him that he had a divine assignment. Nettles and Applewhite first met in 72 and went on a journey of spiritual discovery, identifying themselves as the two witnesses of Revelation. They attracted a following of several hundred people by the mid-1970s. In 1976, the group stopped recruiting and instituted a reclusive lifestyle. Scholars have described the theology of Heaven's Gate as a mixture of Christianity, New Age, and UFOlogy. As such, it has been characterized as a UFO religion. By June 19, 1976, Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs had solidified into a basic outline. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been given higher-level minds than the rest of us. They wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan, which was just a thinly-veiled reference to Applewhite. They also concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation, and they would occasionally visit churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identities, often referring to themselves as the two or the UFO two. They believed that they would be killed and then restored to life and in view of others transported onto a spaceship. This event, which they referred to as the demonstration, was to prove their claims. To their dismay... These ideas were poorly received by existing religious communities. Shocker, right? Everybody thought these people were batshit crazy. But they got their first follower in 1974. Sharon Morgan abandoned her children to come and join them. And then a month later, she left and went back to her family. Nettles and Applewhite were arrested and charged with credit card fraud because they had been using her credit cards, even though they told the police that she had consented to their use. And she backed up that. She said, yeah, I let them use my credit cards. Even though the charges were dropped, they did a background check on Applewhite, and he had a stolen rental car from nine months earlier. So he went to jail for about six months, and then when he was released, he rejoined up with Nettles. Eventually, Applewhite and Nettles resolved to contact extraterrestrials, and they sought like-minded followers. They published advertisements for meetings where they recruited disciples whom they called The Crew. At these events, they claimed to represent beings from another planet, which this planet was called the next level, and they were seeking participants for an experiment. 
they stated that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. In April 1975, during a meeting with a metaphysical group of 80 people led by Clarence Klug in Joan Culpepper's Studio City, Los Angeles home, they shared their simultaneous revelation that they had been told that they were the two witnesses written into the Bible's story of the end of time. While accounts of the meeting differ, all describe it as momentous and that they agreed that Applewhite and Nettles presented themselves as charismatic leaders with an important spiritual message. So like Sarah was talking about last episode, all of these people who start cults seem very charismatic. And here we go. This group that saw them said, wow, that, you know, they're awesome. Let's do what they say. And about 25 people decided to join their group as a result of that meeting. Later, in September 1975, Applewhite and Nettles preached at a motel hall in Waldport, Oregon. After selling all of their worldly possessions and saying farewell to loved ones, around 20 people vanished from the hotel and from the public eye and joined the group. Later that year, on CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported on the disappearances, and this is one of the first national reports of their group. He said, and I quote, A score of persons have disappeared. It's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply taken. In reality, Applewhite and Nettles had arranged for the group to go underground. From that point, Doe and T, as they now renamed themselves, except for they spelled Doe as in D-O and T is T-I, which, what the fuck were you thinking? They started leading their nearly 100-member crew across the country, sleeping in tents and sleeping bags and begging in the streets. Uh, avoiding the authorities and media enabled the group to focus on Doe and T's doctrine of helping members of the crew achieve a higher evolutionary level above humans, which they claim to have already reached. Applewhite and Nettles used a variety of aliases over the years, notably Bo and Peep and Doe and T. The group also had a variety of names. Prior to the adoption of the name Heaven's Gate, it was known as Human Individual Metamorphosis, or HIM. The group reinvented and renamed itself several times and had a variety of recruitment methods. Applewhite believed he was directly related to Jesus, meaning he was an, I quote, evolutionary kingdom level above human. Indeed, Applewhite's writings were part religion, part science fiction. They suggest that he believed himself to be Jesus' successor and the present representative of Christ on earth. Doe and T taught during the religious movement's early beginning that Doe's bodily vehicle was inhabited by the same alien spirit which belonged to Jesus. Likewise, T was presented as God the Father. The crew used numerous methods of recruitment as they toured the United States in destitution. They proclaimed the gospel of higher-level metamorphosis, the deceit of humans by false god spirits, and the divinity of the UFO too. In April 1976, the group stopped recruiting and institutioned a, a rigid set of behavioral guidelines, including banning sexual activity and the use of drugs. Applewhite and Nettles also solidified that they represented the sole temporal and religious authority of the group. Benjamin Zeller described the movement as having transformed from a loosely organized social group to a centralized religious movement comparable to a roving monastery. Some sociologists agree that the popular movement of alternative religious experiences and individualism found in collective spiritual experiences during that period helped contribute to the, to the growth of a new religious movement, Sheilaism. 
as it became known, was a way for people to merge their diverse religious backgrounds and then gather around a shared generalized faith, which followers of new religious sects like Alpha White's crew found as a very appetizing alternative to traditional dogmas in evangelical Christianity. On a side note, Sheilaism is a shorthand term for an individual system of religious belief which co-ops strands of multiple religions chosen by the individual, usually without much theological consideration. So somebody just decides to smash a bunch of random religious beliefs together. This term comes from a woman named Sheila Larson, who is quoted as following her own little voice in a faith that she calls Sheilaism. Many of Applewhite and Nettle's crew hailed from these very diverse backgrounds. Most of them are described by researchers as having been longtime truth seekers or spiritual hippies who had long since believed in attempting to find themselves through spiritual means, combining faith in a sort of cultural milieu well into the mid-1980s. However, remarkably, many of these same researchers note that not all of Applewhite's crew were hippies recruited from alternative religious backgrounds. In fact, one such recruit early on was John Craig, a well-respected Republican and ranch owner who came close to winning a 1970 Colorado House of Representatives race, and he joined the group in 1975. As recruitment numbers grew in its pre-internet days, the clan of UFO followers all seemed to have in common a need for communal belonging and an alternative path to higher existence without the constraints of institutionalized faith. Identifying themselves using the business name Higher Source and using their website to preach and recruit followers beginning in the early 1990s. Rumors began spreading throughout the group in the following years that the upcoming comet Halebot housed the secret to their ultimate salvation and ascent into the kingdom of heaven. The death of Nettles to cancer in 1985 changed the group's views on ascension, where they originally believed that they would ascend to heaven while alive aboard a UFO later coming to believe that the body was merely a container or vehicle for the soul and that their consciousness would be transferred to new next-level bodies upon death. I think that's super interesting to me about cults, how when something happens, they just quickly turn on a dime and change their beliefs. So had she not died, they would have stayed with the, oh yeah, we're just going to all get aboard this UFO and be okay. But then once she died, they had to be like, no, just kidding. Now we have to die in order to get to the next level. Known to the media, though they were pretty much ignored in the 1980s and 90s, Heaven's Gate was better known in UFO circles, as well as through a series of academic studies by sociologist Robert Balch. In January 1994, the LA Weekly ran an article on the group, then known as the Total Overcomers. Richard Ford, who would later play a key role in the 1997 group suicide, discovered Heaven's Gate through this article and eventually joined them, renaming himself Rio D'Angelo. So remember that Rio D'Angelo is going to come back here in just a minute. Coast to Coast AM host Art Bell featured the theory of companion object in the shadow of Hale-Bopp on several programs as early as November 1996. Speculation has been raised as to whether his program and the subject were the reason that Heaven's Gate decided that they would commit their group suicide months later. Louis Thoreau contacted the Heaven's Gate group while making a program for his BBC2 documentary series, Louis Thoreau's Weird Weekends, which you can find on YouTube. I actually pulled up a couple of videos earlier. In response to his email, Thoreau was told that Heaven's Gate could not take part in the documentary because, quote, at the present time, a project like this would be an interference with what we must focus on. 
In October 1996, the group began running a large home, which they called the Monastery, which was a 9,200-square-foot mansion located in Rancho Santa Fe, California. They paid $7,000 a month in rent in cash. That same month, the group purchased alien abduction insurance that would cover up to 50 members and would pay out $1 million per person. What the fuck is this? How have I not heard of alien abduction insurance? Apparently, the policy covers abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. Prior to this, in June 1995, they had purchased land in New Mexico and had begun to work creating a compound out of rubber tires and concrete, but left abruptly in April. Who the fuck would want to live in a house of tires and cinder block when you could go live in that mansion in San Diego? Mm, That's a tough choice. On March 19th through 20th, 1997, Marshall Applewhite taped himself in Doe's final exit, speaking of mass suicide and the only way to evacuate this Earth. After asserting that a spacecraft was trailing Comet Hale-Bopp and that this event would represent the closure to Heaven's Gate, Applewhite persuaded 38 followers to prepare for ritual suicide so that their souls could board the supposed craft. Applewhite believed that after their deaths, a UFO would take their souls to, quote, another level of existence, which was above humans, which he described as being both physical and spiritual. Their preparations included each member videotaping a farewell message. On March 26, 1997, deputies of the San Diego County Sheriff's Department discovered the bodies of the 39 active members of the group, including that of Applewhite in a house in Rancho Santa Fe. The 39 followers, who were 21 women and 18 men, they were between the ages of 26 and 72. They're believed to have died in three groups over three successive days, with the remaining participants cleaning up after each group's death. Can you freaking imagine if you were in that third group and you watched the first group of 15 die and you took care of them? And then the next day, another group of 15 died. And then on the third day, there was nine of you left to die. Among the dead was Thomas Nichols, who was a brother of the actress Nichelle Nichols, who is best known for her role in the original TV series of Star Trek. Leader Applewhite was the third to last member to die. The two people remained after him, and they were the only ones who would be found with bags over their heads and not having purple cloths covering their top halves. Before the last of the suicides, similar sets of packages were sent to numerous Heaven's Gate-affiliated or formerly-affiliated individuals and at least one media outlet, the BBC department responsible for Louis Thoreau's Weird Weekends. Among those in the list of recipients was Rio D'Angelo. The package D'Angelo received on the evening of March 25th contained two VHS videotapes. One had Doe's final exit, and the other one was farewell messages of the group followers. It also contained a letter stating that, among other things, quote, we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them. Upon informing his boss of the contents of the packages, D'Angelo received a ride with him from L.A. to the Heaven's Gate home so he could verify the letter. D'Angelo found a back door intentionally left unlocked to allow access and used a video camera to record what he found. After leaving the house, D'Angelo's boss, who had waited outside, encouraged him to make calls to authorities, alerting them to his discovery. 
The San Diego County Sheriff's Department received an anonymous tip through the 911 system at 3.15 p.m. on March 26, suggesting that they check the welfare of the residents of that house. In the days following the suicides, this caller was later revealed to be D'Angelo. In order to kill themselves, members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding and chased it down with vodka. Additionally, they tied plastic bags around their heads after eating that mix of meds and applesauce to induce asphyxiation. All 39 were dressed in identical black sweatshirts and sweatpants and had brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes and armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team. Each member had on their person a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. What the hell is your spirit going to do with five seventy-five? Were the aliens like charging a cover fee to get on the UFO? Afterwards, according to former members, this was standard for any time they would leave the house to go to jobs or whatever. They would have a $5 bill for covering the cost of vagrancy laws and the quarters were for calling home from payphones. Oh, the time before we had cell phones, right? Once a member was dead, a living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head, followed by posing the body so that it lay neatly in its own bed with faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth for privacy. In an interview with Harry Robinson, the two surviving members said that the identical clothing was used as a uniform for the mass suicide to represent unity, while the Nike decades were chosen because the group, quote, got a good deal on the shoes. Applewhite was also a fan of Nikes, and therefore everyone was expected to wear and like Nikes. Heaven's Gate also had a saying within the group. They stole Just Do It from Nike. However, instead of saying do, they said doe to reflect Applewhite's nickname, so just do it. Just before the mass suicide, the group's website was updated with the message, Hail Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. And that was because T had died back in the 80s. News of the 39 deaths in Rancho Santa Fe motivated the copycat suicide of a 58-year-old man living near Marysville, California. The man left a note dated March 27th, which said, I'm going on the spaceship with Hale Bob to be with those who have gone before me and imitated some of the details of the Heaven's Gate suicides as they had been reported in the media up to that point. The man was found dead by a friend on March 31st and had no known connection with Heaven's Gate. At least three former members of Heaven's Gate ultimately died by suicide themselves in the months after the mass suicide event. On May 6, 1997, Wayne Cook and Chuck Humphrey attempted suicide in a hotel in a manner similar to that used by the group. Cook died and Humphrey survived this attempt. Humphrey ultimately killed himself in Arizona in February 1998. Another former member, James Perky Jr., died by suicide by a self-inflicted gunshot wound on May 11th. Two former members, Mark and Sarah King of Phoenix, Arizona, who operate as the Tele Foundation, T-E-L-A-H, are believed to maintain the group's website. So you can literally go check out their website. It's heavensgate.com. It's fucking nuts. You should definitely go look at it. So like I mentioned at the beginning, next week Sarah and I will both be covering another two different cults and discuss the psychology that makes someone want to join a cult or start one for that matter. 
Thanks for listening to my story about Heaven's Gate today, and I hope you check in next week as we talk more about cults. You can find us online at the number two girlsandacampfire.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our handle is capital G girls, capital C campfire. You can send us an email at two girls and a campfire at gmail.com. And if you like our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe on whatever app you listen to us. We'll see you around the campfire. Bye.